My name is Stephanie, and I'm the Ministry and Operations Administrator here at Regen. We have information for the reopening of our services now up on our website at regenerationweb.com reopening. Our tentative reopening date is July 12th, and our staff and elders plan to confirm this date by the end of today, Sunday, June 28th. We will have one service at 10 a.m. Doors will open for a registration and check-in period from 9.30 to 10 a.m. Ahead of each Sunday, we will have online registrations to reserve a spot at our services as we will have a 50-person maximum capacity. If you're interested in helping with our reopening services, we're looking for team volunteers for our check-in team and our usher team. You can contact me at stephanieL at regenerationweb.com for more information. Hello, Regeneration. I want to start by thanking God for his uh, faithfulness, provision, generosity to our church during this pandemic and during this um, time of injustice and us not gathering. Many would foresee that we would be kind of taking a dip, but I think in terms of viewership, those numbers have been up and as well as giving, uh, we're so grateful for all of you who have continued to generously give to the church as we've started new ministries, as well as uh, upped our uh, participation and service towards the homeless ministry. And, and the new ministry we started was in partnership with Kylie Co. Uh, in setting up a men's transitional home. And so thank you so much for that and your continued support to continue serving our community here. Uh, last week's and this week's message stemmed from 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, where it reads this. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. We did not plan to go through 1 John um, during this time, and yet it has been quite relevant in speaking to us about discerning between what is of the Spirit of God and what is of the Spirit of Antichrist, about God is love, about abiding in God. And it is a message we need to hear today with all that is going on in our world right now, to love one another, to have God abide in us and his love perfected in us. We covered God abiding in us last week from verses 13 through 16, and today we'll be looking at the last part of verse 12 his love is perfected in us by looking more closely at verses 17 through 21. What does his love is perfected in us mean? In previous studies, we already know that God has a deep, deep love for us, that God is love, and the proof of God's love for us was given to us through his only son, Jesus. The issue isn't about God's love for us. The issue is about our love for God. And so let's take a look at verse 17, just the first part. By this is love perfected with us. And it's not speaking of reaching perfection, but in that we're moving in that direction, that our love is growing, developing, perfecting. And God is working this love out in those who are his children. We know that God is love. We know that love is God's idea, that God initiated this love. Skip down to verse 19. We love 
because he first loved us. God initiated love. It seems that there isn't a whole lot of love happening in our world today. It seems that there is a lot more fear than there is love. Maybe this is happening to you too, but I've, I've been having trouble sleeping lately. And even when I do sleep, there have been quite a few times when I've actually had nightmares that have woken me up. Just a lot that has been going through my head, just like many of you probably are experiencing. And in thinking about all that is going on in our nation and in our world, the scriptures are clear about God's love for us. I need that reminder. God loves us. And that's the constant, his love for us. The variable is our love for God. Last week was Father's Day and we celebrated our love for our earthly fathers. And today seems like a great day to celebrate our love for our heavenly father who first loved us. The only way we even have the ability to love is that God gave that to us. The only reason love is being perfected in us is because of God. My hope for you today is not just to put more knowledge about love of God into your mind, but that you experience the love of God in a personal, intimate way. Not just for us to grasp the love of God intellectually, but also to be grasped by the love of God. What's the evidence that this has happened in our lives? Well, humility is a big one. You can't be too proud when you really understand God's love for you, when you realize God took the first step of love toward you when there is nothing in us that deserves it. And so it kind of messes with my head when I pause and I think about this, that how can God love me? Because he knows every single thing about me, what I think, what motivates me, how I act, what I say. And there are parts of me that are just flat out sinful and opposed to God and don't align with who he is. Yet, God loves me. And this leads to a confidence that we have of God's love, which is this recurring theme found in 1 John. Let's first take a look at the second part of verse 17, and then we'll take a look at a couple of other verses in 1 John. And it reads, So that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. A confidence given to us by God who is perfecting love in his children. Not this false confidence or overconfidence, but one that overcomes fear as God continues to build confidence in us, in him, and in his promises. Now take a look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. When we stand before God, everything will be seen. Nothing will be hidden from God. If you are his child, if you abide in him, you have nothing to fear. If you find yourself in this place today, you are a blessed person. Because if you are not a child of God, you don't abide in God, then what is your confidence in? Yourself someone else, something else. 
But whatever that is, if it is not Jesus Christ, it will crumble before God. But to be able to stand in confidence before God when He returns, to to run to God, knowing that you have nothing to fear, that's amazing. 1 John chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. A confidence to come before God, to commune with God, to pray to God. Confident to bring our prayers to God. Have God change us. And for His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. God cares about what is going on in our world. And as our prayers align with the will of God, we can approach God confidently to answer our prayers, to to fight against darkness, brokenness, evil, injustice. It's not God who is unwilling to do those things, but how much are we willing to fight this spiritual battle? We need to remember that this is indeed a spiritual battle. That's, that's what we're currently in. That's what we've always been in. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We're probably not going to enter spiritual warfare if we aren't confident with it. And people need us, the church of Jesus Christ, to enter into that fight. The closer you are to God, the more confident you become. My worry is that with all that is happening in our nation, there may be some who are defaulting more to their flesh than they are to the Spirit when we actually need to lean more on God and the Spirit during this time. We need to show up in the Spirit to fight demonic forces. We need to show up with love and not hate for people. We hate the injustice. Let's not get that wrong. But we don't hate those people. They're people of God. They're they're people that are made in the image of God. They're God image bearers. And there's a lot of anger. It just can't be coupled with hate toward people. And so how badly we need to guard our heart. And we need to seek the Spirit so that we aren't ruled by hate, but we are ruled by love. We have confidence in the return of Jesus through our prayers. And on the day of judgment, verse 17 says... When Christ returns, there will be a day of judgment. Jesus Christ will be coming back for his purified church that is ready to meet him, and there will be judgment. Take a look at Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Judgment day is coming. And for some of us, it can't come soon enough. My prayers lately have been asking for the return of Christ. The rampant evil and sin and injustice has just been 
really, really heavy and I find myself asking for the return of Jesus. Not as escapism, but because I know when he returns, he makes everything right. When Jesus returns, he brings a righteous judgment. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 5. This is the evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. This is why we share the good news of Christ with those around us. The purpose of the church is not to have church services, even though there are many who are looking forward and hoping that July 12th works out for us to meet again. But that's not the purpose of our church. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, and we need to be ready. We need to be confident to meet Jesus. This phrase, the day of the Lord, something I've been meditating on, something I've been praying about for a while, and it's been on my heart for the last several weeks, especially in light of the pandemic and especially in light of what's happening in our nation. And it's something that I sense I need to preach and teach on after our series in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. So after 3rd John, we'll be looking at Obadiah and then we'll jump into Joel And why those two books? It's because Obadiah chronologically is the first place in the Old Testament we read of this phrase, the day of the Lord. And then moving into Joel, Joel gives us the most striking and the most detailed specifics in Scripture about the day of the Lord. So those are the books of the Bible we'll be looking at next, looking at the day of the Lord. When we look at our hearts what we've done, how we think, what we've said, are we really confident to stand before Almighty God on the day of the Lord? What can we possibly say to the judge who knows every single sin in our life? Do any of us have a defense at all For those redeemed in the power of Jesus, yes, absolutely, we do. Verse 17, because as he is so, also are we in this world. We can have confidence for the day of judgment because of Jesus, who has made us like him. Jesus has moved us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 4. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. It is so obvious, painfully obvious, how broken our nation is. There's no doubt about it. It's so obvious how fragile our world is. This microscopic virus puts the entire planet on hold. What to think of the future without Jesus? We've gone throughout all of history, humans looking for hope, wholeness, purpose, Fulfillment, meaning. And we haven't found it. We haven't done a great job at it. God's grace, His patience, and His love, long suffering are, are giving us time to look to Jesus to provide those things. And God took initiative to love us, and He's mercifully waiting for the world to notice and to love. Jesus, Jesus that already loves you and has already initiated love for you. It is us. What are we doing with our love for God so that we can stand in confidence on the day of judgment? John is writing to us to develop this confidence, which is proof of his perfect love being made complete in our lives. Redemption salvation in Jesus Christ alone. When we stand before the judge, the only thing we'll be able to say before omniscient God to justify who we are as sinners is, I'm with Jesus. And Jesus will either say, I don't know her, or she's one of mine. God initiated love. His love builds our confidence. And His love casts out fear. Verse 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And so some of you may be thinking, but doesn't Paul write in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? Yes, the fear Paul wrote about is speaking of reverence, a reverential fear. Love and reverence are not opposed to one another. The fear Paul wrote about is more toward a fear of what we'll do to God to damage our relationship with God. The fear John wrote about is speaking of judgment, the fear of judgment and what God will do to us. That love drives out that fear. That there is no judgment to fear if we are in love with God. We can't approach God in love while simultaneously being in fear of judgment from Him. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now I realize that some people didn't have healthy, loving experiences with their earthly parents. And this 
history can negatively influence how we look at our relationship with God. I'm, I'm aware of that. That you haven't had the same opportunity to develop a security, a confidence in a loving relationship. And maybe instead of that, you're experiencing an anxiety, a worry, a fear in an intimate relationship like this that you can have with God. And maybe you're thinking this, that things are going really, really well in your life and you're wondering when God is going to let you have it. And if this is you, you're not alone because I've had those same feelings because I also did not grow up with perfect parents and neither have my kids. But when God says he forgives our sins, he really means it. Jesus' death on the cross didn't miss any of your sins. It covers all of them. And we don't have to fear about what we have done or haven't done when Jesus Christ has been received by faith as our Lord and Savior. You can have confidence in your relationship with Jesus Christ. God loves you with an everlasting love and what Jesus did on the cross is complete. It is finished. God's love casts out fear. That fear that has to do with punishment. And sometimes that fear is actually worse than the punishment itself. Remember when your parents told you to go to your room and you just waited. And that waiting in fear was sometimes worse than the actual punishment that you received when they showed up. God's love casts out fear. It's not like we're here on earth in this waiting room where he told us, you just go to your room and wait until I come back. Yes, we have a, a reverential fear, but we don't have the fear of punishment, of judgment. Do you have confidence in the love of God, or are you in fear? Jesus did it all on the cross. There's nothing more to do except to believe what Jesus did for you. Trust what he did for you and, and to be loyal to Jesus for his sacrifice for you by faith. If you live in fear, it's an evidence that God has not taken complete hold of you by the Holy Spirit to assure you that you are a child of God. God doesn't want us to live in fear. He wants us to live in love. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Love casts out fear. Love also casts out hatred. To say, I love God, but then hate your brother or sister, that's a lie. And right now, there's just a lot of hate going on. And love and hate, they can't coexist in the child of God. There, there is no room for hate. If we want to see justice, if we want to see change, if we want to see things right, love has to be exercised. Turn back with me to 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 11. For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 
We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. The story of Cain and Abel is found in Genesis chapter 4. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago. We also looked at Genesis 3 um, to look at these three questions. From Genesis 3, it's, where are you? From Genesis 4, it's, where's your brother or sister? And what have you done? And so in the context of what is happening in our world today, where are you right now with all of this? Where is your brother or sister? And what have you done? And so hopefully we've had a couple of weeks to deeply consider these questions. And today I'd like to focus on that second question. Where is your brother? Where is your sister? So turn to Genesis chapter 4 verse 9. And let's look how Cain responded. Genesis chapter 4 verse 9. He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? The answer to that question is yes, we are. We are. We should love one another. Look out for one another. And as 1 John chapter 4 states in the first part of that chapter, to listen carefully to God so that we can discern what is of the Spirit of God and what is of the Spirit of the Antichrist. And to listen carefully to our brothers and our sisters so that we know where they're at. And that when God asks us, what have we done? We can answer, well. We need to carefully discern what God is speaking to us at this time and to carefully discern what our brothers and sisters are telling us. And when we practice this love, it benefits others. Now back to 1 John chapter 4, verse 21. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Our genuine love for God naturally flows out of us to our brothers and sisters. Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. In the past several weeks, ask yourself some of these questions. How critical have you been toward your brothers and sisters? How quickly have you jumped to negative conclusions especially about those who love Jesus. How slow have we been to bear the burdens of those who are in pain, who are in fear? Have we been unwilling to walk in other people's shoes? How quickly have we magnified others' faults and we haven't really looked at our own. Has there been a gap between what we say and what we think 
from what we are actually doing. It's so easy to develop a critical spirit. It is so easy to have a critical heart. It's so easy to be negative to others and to see their issues. Take a look at Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Before we regret saying something or doing something, we really need to get on our knees before God and ask God for his love to fill us and overflow from us so that it blesses others. So that that anger that we have is channeled towards loving people and it isn't challenged or channeled towards hating people. We hate the injustice, but we don't hate the people. Our confidence in God is is based on the reality of his love, which he initiated for us. And the profession of who we say and think we are needs to match with what we do and who we are as children of God. Others will see who we really are. Others will see what we are doing. They will will hear what we are saying. So do we bring people closer to Jesus? Or are we pushing them further away? Do we give people reason to believe in Jesus? Or do they look at us as something else? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you are love. One of those evidences that we are your child is that we are filled with your spirit and that love flows out of us. So we ask God that you would have us to temper our flesh, that we wouldn't be living out of our flesh, especially during this time where Many people are angry. Many people are frustrated. Many people are in pain and in fear. And God, as we have empathy towards these things and compassion on these things, we ask, God, that we are led by your spirit and not by the spirit of Antichrist, knowing that that evil one is more crafty and has us doubt, and has us have all of these questions that question who you are, and question your goodness, and question your sufficiency. And there's nothing wrong with the questioning, but the thing that is wrong, Lord, is how often we can be talking to serpents when actually we should be talking to you. You you are present, you are here. So God, please lead us. Please have your spirit lead us. That we are led by the spirit to do things out of love in the spirit and not things out of our own flesh. Please give us that discernment. 
We pray, Lord, for your equipping and empowering to continue to love our community, which is so hurting right now. We're so thankful, Lord, that you continue to bless us to serve the most vulnerable, the homeless in our community, the refugees of our community, the immigrants of our community, and these guys that are just coming out of really difficult, challenging times who just kind of need a place of transition to get on their feet. Thank you so much for giving us that opportunity to love them. God, our world is so hurting. May you equip us to be healing hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take communion together. Thank Jesus for taking upon all of our sins, all that brokenness, darkness, evil upon himself. That ultimate sign of love from God to send his only son, a love that he initiated, that God is love, and for Jesus showing his ultimate love for us by the sacrifice of himself to bear all of our sins upon himself on the cross. So as we remember this of Jesus, let's take the bread. And we have the fruit of the vine symbolizing the blood of Christ spilled for us. This sacrament that we take regularly, a constant reminder that Jesus Christ is coming back. That the day of the Lord is coming soon. We don't know when he will come as a thief in the night. But I pray that we're ready. Let's take this in remembrance of Jesus. Lord, thank you for these simple, tangible signs of having us focus on you, focus on your promise that you are coming back for your church. I pray, Lord, that we will stay strong and steadfast in being ready for your return, that we won't compromise, that we won't be led astray by the spirit of Antichrist or all these other voices when we can directly speak with you, when we have the word of God, the scriptures leading us that we can discern with the things that are being told to us and how they compare to your word. I thank you for this church and how seriously we view your scriptures. And God, please equip us to do good in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.